everybody. Welcome back to the Coffee Convos podcast with Lexi. Today's episode is going to be all about co-parenting. And I want to start off by saying this is not me being malicious. This is not being me being hurtful. This is not being me trying to bully anyone or shame someone or anything like that. It's me just sharing my journey with you all and hoping to help somebody in the same situation I'm in to some extent. So let's get started. Co-parenting is hard to do. Let's be honest. Sharing a child is not easy. No one has a child with the intention of sharing them. And that is 100% true. Um, I did not go into my relationship. I did not go into that relationship, that environment, with wanting to have a child and not be one. Like that was never my intention. And the reason why I'm clarifying that as I read my notes and my script is because um, on my Instagram lately, I've been discussing my co-parenting journey and I've gotten a lot of comments about how that I shouldn't have had a child with him if if I knew he was going to leave or like, this is what you get. You made your bed lying in. And that's not 100% accurate. Like, for some, yes. For others, not. Um, and I don't think that's entirely fair to put that on me. Um, I, you know, I tried really, really hard. And unfortunately for me in that relationship, I wasn't met with somebody who wanted to fix me. I wasn't met with somebody who wanted to fix me. I was met with somebody who wanted to still have a life and still get to party and still get to do things that he wanted to do. And unfortunately, children change that and he wasn't ready and that's okay. Um, I wasn't necessarily ready either. I just didn't have a choice and I did what I needed to do to be a good, to, I'm doing what I can to be a good mom. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I don't screw up. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen because that's not reality either. So I'm going to continue. Like I said, so like I said kind of earlier, like that's not reality for most people. And I consider you all to be very lucky that haven't had to deal with co-parenting. I think it's easy to judge what you don't know. Um, or you haven't had to deal with and I think it's easy to say like do this or do that but you're not in this situation on a regular basis and you don't know the other person involved it's very easy to say um so yeah my co-parenting journey has not taken the road that I wish it had taken like so what I mean by that before I continue is that I mean that I wish I wish me and him could be friends. I wish me and him could do holidays together, do birthdays together. I wish that was the relationship we had. That's not reality, um, especially now with various things. Like we just, we don't, we don't see eye to eye. We don't agree on anything. We don't, we just don't. And that's okay. And I'm doing my best. In that scenario. And then I, I mentioned on here as the road I the road taken that I wish that had 
the wish that it had, like the people I admire on TikTok for their ability to seamlessly be friends and co-parent. I wish I wish I could, like Moms of Campbell, Steve Barato, or Amy Moscato. To understand how I got to this place, we just we must start at the beginning of when my child was first born. I found out at five months I was pregnant with Joshua. At the time, I didn't have a name or know what I wanted to do. It was too late for any sort of alternative route. I'm not going to say the word because I am terrified that the Christians that listen to this podcast will come for me. And I just think it's better for me not to say it. But yes, that that was one of the things that was not for reasons I don't feel like getting into. My next course of interest was adoption. I really thought that would be best for everyone to adopt, but I realized I couldn't do it, even though the timing wasn't right for anyone, and nor was there money in the bank, a thing I decided to keep my mouth shut. This is hard for me to rehash. This is when me and Joshua's relations, Joshua's father's relationship, really began to take a turn in our co-parenting. We began to not like each other, and we began to really be hurtful. Joshua's father didn't get involved till this point. He wanted a paternity test done, which I agreed to after giving birth. He and I were no longer together at this point, and at the time I was extremely hurt, he suggested it. Because in my head, he knew me. He should have known it was his, but that's water under a bridge. And it was water. It is water under a bridge. At the time, I was very hurt. I was very angry. Like I said, I felt he should know who I am. Um, He was with me for crying out loud. Like, could he really think? But now, looking back at it, I see it in a different light than what I had prior. Um, It wasn't an attack on me, and it wasn't an attack on my character. He was processing the fact that he was going to become a father when he didn't want to be. And when you are backed into a corner, backed against the wall, feeling very isolated, alone, or dealing with something that you didn't think you had to deal with, it's easy to lash out in anger. And I and I get it now. But this part He didn't meet our son until he was a month old, and that's when I was informed that he didn't know how much involvement he wanted to have, if at any at all. I was angry. It took it took two of us to make this baby. How could he want to miss anything, acting like this is an inconvenience to him? And that was really, really hard for me. I was really, really angry. I, I felt like it was all on me, and I was feeling very just angry. Because I just, I couldn't understand. And you know, at the time, I thought it would change. Not me and him being together or me and him, like, having any sort of relationship. Because that bridge was done. But the whole him wanting to be a father thing, I thought could change. The reality was that's not the case. Then Joshua met his grandparents, who are truly a blessing. I owe them so much gratitude for where I am at. From where I'm at. 
I will forever be grateful that they stepped up for their grandson. They took him while I worked full-time, so I didn't have to pay for daycare. They have been active in his life since the day they found out about him, two months after birth. They have gone to doctor's appointments, emergency room visits, and so much more to be there because their son won't. I say won't. I won't say it's been smooth sailing with them because that's a lie. We have very different beliefs on things like vaccinations and so on, but we've managed to keep the bumps very small. As for his father, nothing really has changed in the course of our co-parenting relationship. We have apologized for what we've said. We've apologized for the hurt we've caused each other. We've apologized for various things throughout the year, the drama, the fighting, the aggravation, the hurt. But we've also come to the conclusion that He's never going to be consistent, and he doesn't really want to be alone. He dreams of a family. As far as so, as I was saying, as his father, as for his father, he get as for his father, he gets to come and go as he pleases come in and out as he pleases in an effort to give my son a father he truly deserves i have allowed him in in my home to make him understand he is welcome to get out i make i make all decisions because he chooses not to he firmly believes that it is okay for me for me to make all decisions i'm more so co-parent with his parents and he gets to be the visiting parent i have struggled a lot with things because i don't know if i'm making the right choice in allowing all access that he doesn't take, or am I doing more harm than good? I'm doing the best I can with limiting trauma happening. So before I end this episode, I had typed it out before there was a new development in my co-parenting, and since I was doing this episode, I wanted to update, I wanted to kind of give an update as to where we are now. Um, things were going really, really great. He's in and out. Joshua's parents take him, Joshua's grandparents take him consistently. Well, unfortunately, there has been a new development in our co-parenting that has made things interesting. Um, his father and his parents have come to a head. They have gotten into a really big argument that has ended any civility between him and his mom. Um, unfortunately. And I'm going to be respectful as I can because I respect both of them as Joshua's grandparents and Joshua's father um, and that has kind of put me in the middle of an argument that I didn't intend to be in. They're at odds so therefore my son is not seeing his father except for once a month when his father comes to us and he spends time with my son for about a couple hours and then leaves. Um, that is the situation currently. Um, his grandparents still take him every other week and pick him up Wednesdays from school because that is something that I have allowed them to continue to do. Um, I'm navigating this the best I can with time for both of them without affecting my son because my son needs his father and needs his grandparents. But 
I wanted to say this for anyone going through like my situation. I know that it's extremely hard to not let adult behavior get in the way of supporting your kids. And if I've learned anything in my five years of co-parenting and where we are now, because this is the first time that real issues have ever, ever come up, I've learned that it's more important for me to set aside my feelings, set aside my questions about why they're not speaking, what exactly happened, because it's not my place to 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 involve that. It's my place to make sure my son sees his grandparents and his father, whatever that looks like in that moment. It is not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. There are nights I cry. There are panic attacks. Now that they're fighting, I worry about Joshua going to his grandparents because me and his father have always had a strict rule from day one. We will never talk bad about each other in front of our child. And now that his parents are fighting and he's fighting with his parents, I worry that that's not going to stay the way that it is. Um, I worry that there's going to be starting to be comments being made. I, I extremely worry about that. Um, you know, I worry that there's never going to be a resolution and for them and it's going to affect my son. I worry that, I worry that me and his father can, will never get to a place of getting fully along enough to, you know, deal with each other I mean we go to parent teacher conferences together we do all the things together like don't get me wrong we do every we do do the things together but there's always that underlying tension and there's always kind of like a mediator in between us because it because it eases my mind um I mean I document everything every conversation I screen I I have a note in my phone with communication as to communicating with his parents and communicating with him and I have like uh, a note on my phone as to who paid what unfortunately my co-parenting situation isn't isn't the isn't the beautiful relationships that I see on TikTok that I so wish was my reality it's really hard I'm trying so hard I'm I I'm at a point in my co-parenting journey that I don't know what I can do like I try so hard I include his father I include his parents and then when he finds out that I include his parents he gets mad at me and then they find out that like he was here and it's just a constant like thing for me and you know it's funny like it's funny because it's like you know, I'm trying to do what's best for my son, and it's hard because I'm I'm with a circle of adults who are having an issue, for lack of a better term, and I can't fix it, so I am just pretending that their argument isn't happening because in the beginning of my co-parenting journey, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to fix the fact that, like, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make it so he felt comfortable to be here. Like, like I wanted to fix everything, and I wanted to make everything smooth. And the reality of the situation is, is that we are all adults, and we are all human, and we all have emotions, and so does our child. I can't control 
how every single person is going to react to the situation. All I can control in my life is my reaction. And I've decided to focus on what I can control, as my therapist likes to say to me, what's in my circle of control. What's in my circle of control? Maintaining my relationship with his grandparents and maintaining as much of a relationship or friendship that his father will allow us to have. Um, his father is very strongly with the whole mindset of if we can't be together, then he's not going to really be around. Our relationship has always been contingent on his relationship with me and his parents. Like he sees our, he sees our son based off of who he is speaking to in that moment and who he has a better relationship with. So right now he has the better relationship with me versus his parents. So he's spending a lot of time here. Over the last four years, he he had he was spending more time at his parents. Now don't get me wrong, it was inconsistent with both equations, but it really comes down to who he has a better relationship with. So for me, I've decided that what I can control is maintaining my relationship with his parents. So Joshua sees his grandparents and maintaining a somewhat of a good relationship with his father so that way my son still sees his father is it easy absolutely not do i want to smack all three of them 110 percent. because at this point the stuff that they're arguing about in my opinion is stuff that we've that me and him have already hashed out over the last five years they're just catching up to me and i'm not reliving it for myself i'm just not I'm at the point where I've accepted the fact that Joshua's father does not want to really be around, does not really want to be a parent, and that is okay for him to choose that. And I know people are going to come for me and, and from people that are like, you, that's not okay. He has responsibilities. Yes, he does have responsibilities, but his responsibilities aren't to me. His responsibilities are to his son. Me sitting here, begging him, pleading with him, throwing throwing myself over these coals and beating this horse isn't doing me any good. My mental health matters too in this. And the only way that I can do this is with boundaries with both of them, boundaries with each relationship, boundaries with the adults in the equation, and reminding myself of my circle of control. So I choose to focus on maintaining a positive enough of a positive relationship with his father that he still comes around and a positive relationship with his grandparents whether they are happy with their son or not does not matter to me whether he is happy with his parents or not does not matter to me what matters to me is that everybody gets along with me what what happens behind closed doors with them is their problem it took me a long time to get here. Like, okay, second part of my circle of control. Finishing my bachelor's, getting my degree, moving on to better things is better for me so I can have my own space. Because the reality of the situation is, is that a lot of my problem and a lot of the reason that I react to my co-parenting relationship is that I live with my parents and I deal with his parents and I have a lot of adults that question my parenting. 
And that, for me, I know my trigger when it comes to pit parenting. That has also been helpful. Learn that in therapy. I know my trigger when it comes to pit parenting. My trigger is questioning my parenting. Because at the end of the day, Joshua is mine and his father's child, period. He is not the grandparents. He's not my parents. He is mine and his father's. And in the beginning of my co-parenting relationship, I used to consult his father. I used to consult my parents. I used to consult his parents. Not anymore. I consult him, make the decision, end of it. For my mental health and my sanity and my circle of control. Because at the end of the day, I want smooth sailing co-parenting. And I realized that a big part of the problem with my co-parenting was boundaries. I had none with anybody. I had zero. Zero boundaries. So that has helped me a lot with my co-parenting. Now before I end this, I just want to say, in case anyone who knows his father is listening, I want him to be a father to Joshua. Don't think for one second I don't. But I can't keep doing what I was doing. I can't keep begging. I can't keep pleading. I can't come. I can't keep jumping through all of these hoops and putting in all this effort for somebody who's just not meeting me where I am. And it's not me being mean and it's not me being unfair. Co-parenting is not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. And I even like to say that it's probably not easy for the people that I admire so much that have that beautiful relationship that I wish I did. But the reality is everyone's co-parenting journey is different. And mine right now is in a state of contention, limbo, chaos, confusion. I... This is, this is the metaphor I used with my therapist the other day, so I'm going to use it here. I am in the center with my son that feels like I'm in a, that feels like there's just a tornado whirling around us and whirling and whirling and whirling around us. And I am trying to maintain the peace and the calming in the center for me and my son while the rest of this chaos is happening. So yeah. So I would love to hear from you guys just about your co-parenting, anything that you want to share with me. Um, this is one of the first episodes on my co-parenting. There's going to be more, but I just felt like, I just feel like for me, as somebody who admires all these positive people, and please know this is not a bash. I love you guys. Um, I just wanted to share more of a different experience co-parenting what happens when the person you co-parent with doesn't want to co-parent with you I don't even know if you could call my situation co-parenting I sort of feel like I'm parallel parenting a little bit but I don't know so that is this episode I hope you guys enjoyed it and I'm gonna end with a little bit of pop culture that I wanted to discuss um that is kind of interesting, um, not interesting, interesting sound to you, that I will say. 
trigger warning here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Danny Masterson, but I'm not going to discuss him. I did a video in a reel about this on my like one Instagram where I talk about these things, but I wanted to bring it here because I really felt like I, I just want to talk about it and I know the internet's going crazy with it, so I wanted to bring it here. Um, just because of the fact that I thought it would be interesting since there is children involved, but like not the situation that occurred to go Danny to jail. Um, so I was sitting down and, you know, after Danny had been sentenced, I was like, perfect, great. Like everything's great. Like nothing, like, like he got what he deserved. And then I was like sitting there and I was like, I wonder what celebrities are going to come out the woodwork to defend him. And, you know, I had this list in my head of who was going to defend him. Wilma Rodorama came to head. Um, Laura Prepon came to head. Um, Ashton Kutcher and Topher were always big question marks to me because I know Topher had a bad rap when he did that 70s show about, like, not spending time with the cast and stuff, which I – Topher, if you're listening, I highly doubt you are, but I was never really a fan of yours till now. Um, and I knew Wilmer was going to defend him because, you know, the whole woman didn't like him was really good. And, like, I expected Tom Cruise to come out of the woodwork and defend him. Like, I expected certain ones to come out of the woodwork. But I was really surprised. And I don't know why I was so surprised because I've kind of, over, especially over the last couple of weeks, I've been like, you know, it's easy for me to say I was surprised that Ashton Kutcher came out and defended him. But in reality, They have been like they have been like brothers for years, so it shouldn't have been surprising to me. Like when I look at the cast of that '70s show, the people that I feel are still close to—I don't know if like Wilmer is still close to them—but the people that were like super close to Danny still were Ashton and Mila by extension. In my opinion, it's just my opinion. I could be way wrong. But I was disappointed as somebody who is a face of child sex trafficking, is a face of human trafficking, that he would defend him. And I was also annoyed because then I remembered that I had watched Leah Remedy in the aftermath and Christy Bruxler, who was Jane Doe 3, was on there. And I was annoyed because Danny and Christy were in a relationship and I wasn't annoyed about at Christy. I was annoyed at Ashton because Ashton knew her. Like, I wasn't sure if he, I couldn't remember if he knew the other three, but I knew he knew Christy. So I was like, you're going to defend him when you knew the girlfriend. Like, I don't understand. And then and then their stupid apology video came out. And, you know, to be honest, I'm going to give Mila a little, a, a little bit of leeway because after watching the apology video, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that Mila actually wanted to defend Danny. Because, honestly, when she was looking at Ashton, she looked big bad. Like, she looked big mad. Like, she looked like she was so mad at her husband for putting them in this position that they want that, like. So that's kind of my take um, on that. I did a more in-depth one in my reel, but I just thought it was interesting to see, like, some of these people come out of the woodwork. Um, I do want to say that 
I, I, I don't condone. I am disappointed. I am disappointed still. And, you know, to see Ashton still play this game and then resign from his foundation just makes me more mad. Like, more mad at him. And honestly, Ashton, I, I, I probably wouldn't have wanted to play you. And the second pop culture thing I wanted to discuss is for all of us millennials. Guys, I need Lance Bass Justin, Joshua Chase, Justin Timberlake, Joey Fagone, and Chris Kirkpatrick to stop playing with my emotions. Stop playing with me. This is not a game. This is not a game. Like, if they are doing a reunion tutor, I'm going to need thousands and thousands of dollars because I will be broke by the end of this. The nice house down payment that I'm saving for, gone, because insignificant. Guys, is this real? Like, are we finally going to get what we millennials fans is an actual reunion tour? So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys enjoying me ending with a little bit of pop culture. I feel like it makes just, it just makes it lighter for me. Um, because we do talk about so much, so many topics that I want to end with a pop culture segment just because it makes me happy. And it makes me happy to talk about things. Um, I am super excited because I do have a guest that I'm going to try and get on. Um, also, before we end this, sorry guys, there was like a little band here and I got like, I kind of started getting fidgety. I started playing things. But there are a couple of guests that I want to speak into existence if you guys could like share this episode. So I have one person that has agreed. We just got to find time to sit down and I won't mention her name because I'm waiting to like, physically get physically get something on the calendar the there is like two more there's like three more guests that I would really really like to have well one is kind of a two-in-one so technically two and I would really like to sit down with Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey and Kylie Kelsey kind of a three-for-one deal there um and have a conversation with all of them I know Kylie doesn't like to do things and interviews but like she she's honestly probably the one I want to talk to the most out of the three just because of her uh, Eagles uh, Eagles Autism Foundation now if you guys don't know I have a special needs son so that's something that like really aligns with my values so she's somebody I really really want to talk to but I also want to talk to Travis and I also want to talk to Jason I just don't know if Travis could handle serious conversations he doesn't seem like the type that actually wants to sit down and have serious conversations. While Jason gives me that vibe. So those are like two, three that I want. And the second one is somebody that I don't think will ever sit down and talk to me. Although although I thought although I thought that with the person that I asked that's in the Scientology world that it agreed to sit down with me. So I really, really want to sit down with Aaron Smith Levin. Um, so bad. Like, I have so many questions for him. And I also want to sit down with Chrissy Winder. Like, those two are it. I'm really curious on Chrissy's co-parenting, um, especially from, like, aligning with, like, a cult, but I don't know if that'll happen. So those are, like, the, the four guests that I have in mind. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a bit rambly and I'm a bit all over the place, but I really wanted to get this out. So I will see you guys in the next episode where I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet.